I often find the couple has the same goal. Like they both want the closeness and the intimacy. And this is generally speaking, women often are like, well, I need to feel emotionally connected and good. And then I feel sexual and men are often like, I have sex and then I feel really close. And so it can seem like they're butting heads, but if you really get, okay, let's bring the intimacy and you know, so there's the same goal a lot of the time. a lot of first-time listeners lately, so I just wanted to lay out a few things. My name is Melanie Curtin. I am a sex and relationship coach for men and couples, and there are a few ways to engage with me if you are interested in doing that. There's the podcast. I also have a streaming course online called Please Her in Bed, which is specifically for men who have sex with women who want to be excellent in bed. It is based on my sex research on over a thousand women. You can find that at pleaseherinbed.com. And if you use the code DEARMEN, you can get a pretty big discount on that. And we also run a coaching program, we meaning me and my co-host Jason, he's frequently on the podcast, and you can get more information about that and take our free training at evolutionary.men slash training. So if you are interested in going deeper, those are a few ways to do so. And finally, I do do work with select couples. I have a course for couples called Hot and Harmonious. And if you would like to know more about that, you can get me directly at dearmanpodcast at gmail.com. Now enjoy this episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode. I am delighted to have Alicia Davon here. She is a relationship coach who teaches alongside her husband, Erwan. And today we're talking about how to get the chemistry back. So if you've been in a relationship for a while, whether that's a marriage or a long-term relationship, and you kind of miss that spark, <laughs> you feel like you want it back. And you kind of know there's something wrong, but you're not exactly sure how to address it. Uh, this is the number one complaint that Alicia gets in her coaching practice. So let's get started. I would love to hear, actually, uh, before we dive into that part, um, your origin story with your man, because I've heard that it's a, it's a good one. <laughs> well, Thank you. I think it is, you know, it was definitely unique and not what I expected. Um, so thank you for having me. First of all, it's so great to meet you. Um, so I met Erwan, um, when I was in graduate school, I was getting a master's in psychology and learning to become a therapist. So that was kind of where I thought my life was headed. And I had gotten into therapy myself in college and was just kind of having trouble adjusting being away from home and just all sorts of stuff. And like a lot of people had a really profound experience in it so much so that I'm like, I'm going to do this for others. And, you know, started learning to do that. And this is back in very early 2000s. And so there I was in my grad program. And as the program went on, I was starting to get really interested in female sexuality and relationships and how that 
connected with psychology and was like holed up in the library trying to find anything modern about sexuality and like couldn't. It was one of those like old dusty libraries, right? And a friend of mine in my program is still one of my best friends. Her name's Shana. She was like, Alicia, I just met this guy, Erwan, and he like founded this organization and he teaches these classes about like romance and sex and spirituality. And like, I think you would like this guy. And so I was like, take me to this guy, you know? And I was very interested, did not know why I was, you know, what was going to happen. And then, so this was all, I lived in Berkeley in, in California and he lived in San Francisco. So Shana takes me one night to his house, his apartment, where he was teaching these communication games at his house with the community that he had started. So, and I still remember walking up, like he lived in the inner sunset district, which you probably know, cause you used to live here. And it was like three flights of stairs up. And then walking into his apartment was like crossing this threshold into ecstasy land, you know? I mean, nobody was on drugs that I know about, but it was like connection, right? Like there was all these cool people and they were like, making eye contact as they talked. And then the, the games were cool and people were opening up. And then I just see Erwan, you know, sitting on the couch, leading the course with a few of his friends. And I'm like, oh God, this guy's really cute. You know, I didn't realize. <laughs> and I was in another relationship at the time and it was sort of starting to go downhill anyways. And this sort of sped that up, you know, so nothing really happened with Erwan, obviously, until like a few months later, because I was getting out of this relationship. But long story short, we met that night. And then a few months later, happened to be at this retreat, like this personal growth retreat, like randomly, we both ended up there. And I remember walking into the kitchen the first morning and there he was eating a bowl of cereal at the table. I'm like, what's that guy doing here? That Erwan guy. And I was really excited. <laughs> I'm like nervous. Anyways, I, I just spent the whole weekend flirting with him. And then I'll just, I'll share what got me about him, you know, cause I was like flirting with him. And it was one of those workshops. I don't know if you've done, you know, workshops, but where you're like, bearing your soul and crying in front of 50 people and collapsed on the floor, moving through inner child stuff and whatever. So we were all getting <laughs> to know each other really well. And then at the end of the weekend, he really appropriately like walked up to me when we were all by our cars packing up. And he's like, wow, that was really fun. Like, would you like to get coffee in the city sometime? And I freaked out. I basically got really scared and was like, uh, I don't know, maybe, and looked at him like he was crazy. He did not miss a beat. He's like, oh, okay, well, when you're ready, here's my number. And then he walked away. Like, I just like did not even know where he went. I was like, what? what? He was the first guy that didn't like, oh, come on. Wasn't that, you know, he saw that I was backing off. And so he backed off even more. And I felt so paid attention to and like, whoa, this guy has game. This is great. So I called him the next week. And then there's a long story of how we eventually got together, but that's what started it. <laughs> I really like that. <laughs> I really like the idea of, of him seeing that there's something about you're not ready yet, but yes. it's that you may be ready. So here's my card when you're ready. Like, it's not like, oh, never mind. It's okay. I didn't, I didn't mean to scare you or, you know, it wasn't like I did something wrong by asking you out. It was, 
I see that you're uncomfortable with this. When you're ready, give me a call. <laughs> and that it was total confidence, you know? I mean, because I was just scared. You know, I was scared. That's all. Like, I was super interested. I was scared. And he he was tracking that. And I was like, dude, this guy has skills. This is great. So. Yes. And and I think also for everyone listening, the the, the important detail was the two of you had gotten to know each other pretty well over the weekend. Those exercises are no joke. And they're, you know, there was a lot of depth. There was a lot of rapport established already. So, and you were flirting with him. So he had a sense already of this woman is probably interested. And this is a moment where she's freaking out rather than like, I think she's not interested at all, (laughs) which it's also fine to say, you know, if you're ever interested, give me a call. That's fine too. But there's something attuned about I know you're, I know you're interested here and I know you're <laughs> really scared in this moment. So when you're ready, give me a call. There's yes. some refined about that. So yeah. Indeed. Great story. Is it Shana James? Is your friend? Yes. Shana? Do you know oh, her? I love Shana James. Yes. I know. She is the best. I know. She, yes. Of course you guys would know each other. You're in very similar fields. She's, She's wonderful. <laughs> okay. Um, so how to get the chemistry back. So I'm curious. So, you know, is this an issue that you and Erwan had? And if so, can you share a little about that? Because sometimes, you know, we coach what we know, et cetera. And I'm just curious if that was a path towards what you do now. It was definitely part of the path. So since I, you know, for the last 20 years and Erwan for the last 30 years have been working with couples. We work with both singles and couples pretty equally, but the couples, that's just what happens, you know, pretty, pretty regularly. I mean, a lot of people, maybe it doesn't happen as much or they don't want to admit it or whatever, you know, so it may not be obvious, but most couples experience a decline in chemistry and desire after a certain period of time, whether that's like, it's usually years these days, it's more like months because everything's faster. It's like, three minutes, you know, you're, the person was hot and then you're like, uh, I'm bored. Right. Cause we're so how it is now, um, with everything so fast, but pretty much every couple deals with some level of this. So we knew that, right. I mean, I'm saying we knew that before we experienced it. Um, and then we decided to have a kid, right. So this is six years ago, our son was born and leading up to it, we're like, okay, like this is where couples often lose it and we're prepared and, you know, da, da, da. and I'll share specifics of how, you know, what, what we did, not only to prepare, but just to kind of keep things going. There are practical ways. So we were doing all those things thinking we were like, ahead. and then he came, this, our son came and it hit us like a train. We were like, I'm like, whoa, I am actually so exhausted. I'm actually so consumed with our baby. Like I, I was, you know, we had over the first bunch of months, I mean, it's like on one hand, yes, like your, your tensions on the baby very appropriately, but it, I just saw how it really quickly sets a new normal for your relating. It just does. And so we addressed it luckily because we knew we were like, oh, it's happening. (laughs) Great. And I was starting to get involved with this big Facebook page of moms in San Francisco and letting people know about my services. And every time I would coach someone, it was the exact same issue. So the way that we dealt with it 
first step was acknowledging it, which is a big deal because it really goes untalked about because people feel like I'm the only one or I don't want my partner to feel like I'm not attracted to them or I'm just awkward. I don't know how to be sexual or sensual or flirty, like from a generative place versus that very novel, easy, free turn on and flirtiness that comes in the beginning. It comes easy. It's like a very tender, sensitive area for a lot of couples. But the thing we did was we addressed it. Um, I'll stop there just to see if you have questions. And then whenever we're ready, I can lay out more what people can do. Yeah. I'm curious when you say we addressed it, does that mean one or both of you said, hey, we're not really having sex anymore? I mean, is that what you mean? Or can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yes, it was, it was literally, and it was him that brought it up and I was sort of noticing it too, but was, you know, going through becoming a new mom and I was exhausted and I felt a little guilty and was just consumed. And so I actually, he, he's better at bringing things up than I am, you know? Um, but he's like, Hey, I noticed that we're slipping back into, we're slipping into not being sensual with each other, you know, and like, I miss you and I feel kind of lonely and he's just so good at that. You know, we all have our strengths and weaknesses and that's his strength. And I was like, oh man, you're right. You're totally right. And that was how he brought it up. I think that's an important moment to honor because two things, one, (laughs) it's not that easy to bring things up directly. And what I've witnessed in a lot of my clients and couples is let's say the man does notice, but he's just getting silently resentful uh, over time. And then that sort of calcifies into this like anger. And so if he does bring it up, it's going to sound more like, well, we never have sex anymore. So who cares? Which is like not very productive. And then, you know, to your point, your, you know, your side of it was, healthy in that you, you acknowledge like, you're right. This is happening. It's true. (laughs) Which is a lot different from how can you say that I'm taking care of the baby all the time. You know, there was a, I think it's a testament to how much development both of you had done before getting to that point that each of you was able to meet the other in your authentic truth, which was not easy for him to bring up, not that easy for you to acknowledge, but you did do it. And I think that's just, I just want to pause there because for a lot of couples, that moment already is advanced. Mm -hmm. Thank you for saying that. And, you know, I mean, I kind of feel like, well, we hopefully were able to bring that, that particular thing up because that's our specialty, but still it doesn't take away from the difficulty or the awkwardness. And you're right. I mean, many, many couples just kind of end up in this quote unquote new normal And this is stereotypical, but, you know, the man is often the one kind of missing it more because the woman, quote, you know, generally is more involved with the child and doesn't have the, the, the father doesn't have the same bond right away. You know, there's so many reasons, but us being people that know the different elements that are going into this lack of intimacy also made it easier to bring up because, um, people often assume they're alone in it, or there's something wrong with them, or they're being rejected. And there's like these more harsh interpretations 
interpretations that make it really hard to even face it. Um, but, you know, luckily we know, okay, well, couples having chemistry and continuing to have chemistry. Yes, there's psychological aspects. I mean, there's so much to get in around that, the into around that. There's lifestyle design, you know, time and space. There's practices. Like, what do you do if, you know, the woman is healing from birth and you can't have intercourse? And a lot of couples are like, well, we just have intercourse if it's like nothing or intercourse. But there's actually so many ways to touch and be sensual and sexual, you know, so it's knowing the different elements and pieces also made it easier because it's not all just like personal rejection and guilt, you know? Yeah. So take us through what, you know, what happened in that conversation and what, what did you to do to, to move forward? So the main thing, so we addressed it, meaning we talked about it and then we knew enough to be like, okay, let's get on it, you know, and let's get on it meant let's create time and space for just us to have what we call pleasure time. So this is like, it could be 15 minutes. It could be half an hour. Like we're huge fans of couples having a sensual practice. Like we have four practices we train our students in and sensual practice is one of them. And it's, it's kind of like, you know, you carve out time for some people might carve out time for meditation or for physical exercise or whatever it is. You carve out the time we have it in our calendar. I mean, if I showed you my calendar, you would see it five, six times a week in there. So we had been being sort of, um, lax about scheduling it. And then we realized let's schedule it. We had a nanny, you know, so we're like, let's make sure the nanny comes like half hour or, you know, we just were like, let's get this set in our calendars. So that's what we did first. So there it was in our calendars. And then we, had to take into consideration things like, okay, I'm still healing from the birth. Like it doesn't really work to have intercourse. And we have this set of touching practices, like 12 different ones that range from like non-sexual, emotional kind of hand on heart, hand on abdomen. And one person's laying and receiving the touch and, you know, kind of goes down the spectrum towards sensual. And then there's, you know, stroking and that kind of stuff, more sexual things. So we just started doing those things and doing whatever felt good to me. And when it was kind of, we don't always have to trade back and forth, but if I was giving to him, it was going to feel good. And we just started doing it. I mean, that handled most of it. Yeah. There's a couple of things I really like about this. One is I think there's a, there can be a perception that scheduling is not sexy, that sexy time is supposed to be spontaneous and it's supposed to look like the movies and it's just <laughs> sweeps the other one off their feet. And realistically, that is that does not work in our world, to your point. It just doesn't work, especially when there are children involved because you need childcare. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, about the childcare, and you know, I think we we did. We used to live in tribes and bigger communities where there were a lot more adults around, and there was there was more help. There was more help and support on a regular basis. We don't have that anymore in general, and so we have to schedule things. And I, I do think that you know, from some of the couples <clears throat> that I've worked with or people I've talked to, 
there's a hurdle around, oh God, are we actually going to put sex on the calendar? It feels so clinical or, you know, foreign or strange, or is there something wrong that we need to schedule it? It seems like it's not romantic. What if one of us isn't in the mood? So can you speak a little bit to, I'm guessing some of your, the couples you've worked with have had similar, uh, feelings about the scheduling part. Can mm-hmm. you speak a little about what you sort of tell couples when it comes to that? Yes, it is a very common concern, <laughs> very common, you know, to, to kind of enroll people in like, this is a good thing is, is sometimes, you know, it's challenging. And I will say that we, a lot of couples we work with that don't have kids grapple with this. Like, so for people that are listening and they're like, oh God, like we're, you know, we're not having as much sex, but we don't even have kids yet you're also in the majority, you know? I mean, I was just talking to a a man who they're getting married in a few years and they're, or not a few years, a few months. And they're like kind of grappling with her new work schedule and how to get sensual time. So just this applies to everybody and it happens to almost everybody. So I kind of like to think about it like, well, do you want to have it be spontaneous and like doesn't happen very often? Or do you want to have more and have it scheduled? And a lot of this comes down. And then also you want to take the pressure off of intercourse. Okay. Like our culture, especially is so oriented around intercourse or it doesn't count. And especially as we get older, I mean, intercourse is great. You know, I know people in their eighties that love intercourse. It's not like you're going to stop having it. But as we get older slash have been together for longer or whatever, it's like not as easy to jump right in to have wild intercourse after you've been working all day, you know, like you're tired or something. So I really like to support people and having a lot of space around all of that and handling what we call the inner critic, you know, that part of our minds, it's like, something's wrong. You're wrong. Like you're the only one, this is bad. And just that's like a whole other topic, but just starting to notice like, man, I'm giving myself a really hard time about this, that I'm very normally in this situation, you know, where there's not the chemistry, we aren't making time. And like, we have to put it in our calendar, let yourself off the hook for that and just do what works. So that's kind of my, (laughs) my rap about that. Yeah, I, I think it's also worth mentioning. I think it it's really wise what you said about even if it's 15 minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, it doesn't need to be a two hour event with candles and red drapes. That's great, too. There's nothing wrong with that. But 15 to 30 minutes, like you said, it's really about closeness in the end. And I think that's something that gets lost, like you said, in the conversation about intercourse or the dialogue about that and how much we are trained to be like, this is what sex is and this is what it has to be. And if it's not that, then you've somehow failed. Cause I would even add orgasm in there. Oh, if we, if we have sexy time, sensual time and, and someone doesn't come, we did it wrong. That's not, that's not the case. And I think that's, it's such a huge mindset shift to get there. I'm, you know, in there too, right? I've been trained the way everyone else has. So I'm curious if you can, yeah, share a little bit about how kind of you and Erwan got over that or how that, you know, what was that journey like for you, even as people who knew about all of this? 
Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, and do you mean the journey around orgasm in particular or just around which part? Yeah. Around overcoming the perception that sex has to mean P in the V somebody yeah. comes or both people come and that's yes. Okay. Well, there's so, there's so much on this. So when I met Erwan and started, you know, long stories, but I was, after we'd been dating for a while, I was like, when are you going to let me visit your course? You know, your, the pleasure course that you teach. And he let me visit, but I was like, thinking I was going to be sitting in the back observing, but no, he like put me into the course. So I'm like a participant in this court, whatever. So I had, but that was during that weekend where I was like, this is amazing. Um, I want to do this for my life. But the way, I don't remember what he said, but the way that he was talking about sex, quote unquote, it broadened the definition of it. Like sex doesn't equal intercourse. It's like, can include making out, kissing. You can have quote unquote sex or sex vibes just across the room with somebody. Um, acknowledging that sensual and sexual energy and that vibe. I mean, it can put you into that really lovely place of feeling turned on and feeling attracted and feeling juicy. And so it was really through him that I broadened my own definition of what sex is. And it wasn't just like a mental insight. I mean, it was experiencing with Erwan um, manual stimulation, you know, oral sex and just doing that. You know, he's big into um not ejaculating every single sex act and kind of circulating that energy and that whole side of things that a lot of men like to learn from him um, because then you stay vital, you know? I mean, he ejaculates probably, I don't know, once a month or something and there's not like a moral thing around it, but being able to, this is another piece of our work that's a whole other conversation, but around orgasm and pleasure, really being able to train your body to relax enough and be aroused that your body actually can go into a state of release and pleasure and orgasm that doesn't have to include ejaculation. Ejaculation is not a sign of orgasm. It happens kind of simultaneously a lot, but it doesn't have to. So there's a lot around just your mindset around it, but there's also a lot around the bodily experience of like, oh, wow, I, if you stop judging yourself so much and the sex act, you could have a really fun, sexy time with someone just fooling around for a little while. And that counts and you get to decide. I mean, who cares what other people think? So I'll stop there to see if there's any questions about that part. Yeah. I'm wondering if, um, so it sounds like both of you sort of came in already pretty educated on this and I'm wondering for couples who didn't, and you're explaining that sex, sexy time doesn't have to include intercourse. How long does it take them to shift that mindset? I mean, what is their journey around that? Well, you know, I think that couples, Once they start engaging in these touching practices that we train our couples in and also singles can learn and bring it into their dating lives, 
they start to experience that connection that they're looking for and that chemistry that they're looking for, often just through the kind of more nurturing touch. And then as they move into the more sensual touch and learn how to communicate and like they actually start to experience it. They're like, wow, I feel really connected and good and turned on. And then that can lead to other sex acts. It's not like, okay, now stop having intercourse, but it's a really big jump for a lot of couples to go from zero to intercourse. And so they end up not doing it at all. So what couples find is that they can like take it slow and focus on presence with each other and touch and feeling. And, you know, I'm not saying that it's like always easy. I mean, there's a lot of psychological conditioning and working with the inner critic and like, you know, I feel like, oh, I'm going to touch and talk. And isn't this supposed to just be like the movie? You know, so there's a lot of kind of mind shift that happens, but also experience shift if you're kind of open and willing to try something new. I mean, Erwan and I both came from conventional backgrounds. And, you know, I when I met him, I had orgasms and I loved them and but heard that there was more. I'm like, okay, I want more. Or, Wait, we didn't have sex. Like, you know, it's not like I didn't have that concern or not like he was withholding something. It's just more like tuning into what really wants to happen versus going through, um, okay, I got to check this box. I mean, we coach men a lot. I mean, this is maybe controversial, but we always say to men, whether they're single or in a relationship, wait to have intercourse until you literally can't help yourself because she wants it so much that she's kind of drawing you in. Women tend, I mean, we're conditioned with that intercourse orientation too, but we sort of tend to understand more the value of sensuality and play and going slow and that kind of thing. And so when men can kind of get on board with that and tune in, like there's so much pleasure to be had. Yeah. And, and closeness, right. A lot of closeness. I think that's, that's something I would say that I, I hear from my men a lot is they miss sex with their wives or long-term partners. And when, when they talk about it, it's like, there's a perception that I think there is a perception in our culture that men are pigs and they just want sex and they don't care about anything else. And that has not been my experience at all working with men. And for many of them, what they miss about the sex is the closeness and the intimacy and the, the feeling of, of love essentially, but they don't necessarily know how to say that. So when they're talking about sex or what they miss, they're talking about the sex act when really what they're wanting is a more complete sort of experience. And I, and so the 15 minute or 30 minute or whatever increments, I think are unfamiliar and foreign to both people. But can you say a little about, you know, the structure or the, the touching exercises? Because I do think giving people a little bit of help around what do we do if we only have 20 minutes, I don't understand how this works. Right. <laughs> say a little right. About that? Yes. And I'll say a couple of things to what you just said, because what you just said, there's so much in there. Um, it, it, yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel for both men and women, just, we get so much conditioning that confuses us. And especially these days and the climate around masculinity, femininity, and sex, 
we, it turns out, I mean, that we, this is my experience. We as women have a much larger appetite for sex than men. The turn on and the sensuality originates in our body, you know, just biologically, we just have way more conditioning against it. Like we've been, and that's like so many other topics, but one of our favorite topics to teach on is female sexual psychology because it's much more complex. You know, we've got like all this turn on and sex energy, and then we've had conditioning or adverse experiences or all the stuff that happens that then has us kind of cut off from that and then create a self or an identity that's like, no, you know, either religious or just a re reaction to a bad experience. And it's really sad because then men get, you know, men don't have, in general, don't have as much conditioning. They're like, yeah, you know, like I like my genitals and I want to have sex. And like, they're just out with it, which is really great. But then they get this like bad rap for being pigs. And it's like, actually they often, you know, feel our desire that we can't really talk about and they think it's theirs. And, you know, it's, Anyways, it's more complex than meets the eye. And um, there was one other thing. Oh, what you said about men missing the intimacy and the closeness. Some people I find, you know, when there's a, a couple that comes to us and is like, we're not having sex. And like, he wants it. And I don't, the woman says, I often find the couple has the same goal. Like they both want the closeness and the intimacy. And this is generally speaking, women often are like, well, I need to feel emotionally connected and good. And then I feel sexual. And men are often like, I have sex and then I feel really close. And so it can seem like they're butting heads. But if you really get, okay, let's bring the intimacy. And, you know, so there's the same goal a lot of the time and maybe it's swapped, you know, men and women wanting blah, blah, but it's anyways, I wanted to say that um, because it's really common. Now, in terms of what to do, let's take these touching practices. So basically you want to set up the space. It doesn't have to take forever. It doesn't have to be all perfect and red drapes and everything you, like you were saying, but I don't know, light a candle, like put on some nice music, dim the lights, uh, make the bed. And then one person lays down, you're clothed here. One person sits up by the person's side, like perpendicular, very close. So let's say the woman is lying down and the man's sitting up. So there's a variety of different practices. We might have the man start by just putting his hands on her heart and her abdomen. This is called deep touch. And you're just kind of breathing and being there. And if people have not done this before, they might feel incredibly awkward, but we just kind of say, you know, roll with it. You know, and then the person lying down, if she wants it to get a little bit more sensual, could pick a body part, you know, like, oh, my, my upper arm or my thigh or my collarbone, would you stroke that? And then they can just kind of touch that in a sensual way. And you know, you're going to start getting a little warmed up and feeling connected and good. And so that's what it looks like. It's like touch, sensual touch. It can totally progress to something more sexual. Um, it's good to have some, you know, talking about that ahead because sometimes one person's like, I just want to relax into the touch. 
and just like not feel like I need to get sexual. Um, you know, sometimes, um, the man, for example, might be like tired and not up for having intercourse, but he will touch and he can make it sexual and manually stroke her or whatever it can get there. So you've got a whole variety of practices that you can kind of engage in, um, you know, and you could set a timer or you could just say, Hey, let's do this for half hour or let's do this for 10 minutes. Cause we only have 10 minutes time. Um, so that's how it might look. And yeah, I would love for you to say a little bit more about that pattern that you mentioned, because I do think that's common. I've definitely heard that from my clients where he misses sex, wants sex, and she wants closeness. She wants intimacy, but you know, that just gap that you mentioned of he wants sex to get to closeness. She wants emotional closeness to get to sex. How do you work with couples on that? And, um, and, and, and do you often find that both, both members of the couple are equally enthusiastic about coming <laughs> to work with you, you, or is one more and how do you deal with that? Yeah. So, um, some of the time, yeah. I mean, couples will come to us and be like, yeah, we need help and we, we are willing and that kind of thing. Um, other times it's totally, you know, one, one part of the couple is like, ah, we're having these issues and my wife or my husband or my girlfriend, my boyfriend, whatever is like, they don't do this stuff or they think that you shouldn't have to go talk to someone or whatever. So I help couples that are in that position. I help the person who is open for the growth, learn how to bring it to their partner in a way that's going to be inviting. I mean, half the time, or even more than half the time, it just hasn't been broached in, in a, in a great way. It's been like, something's wrong and I'm not happy and you're doing this wrong and you need, and it's like, who's going to say yes to that? You know, I mean, pretty much no one, some might, right. But it's, it's more like, Hey, like, I love you and I miss you. And I feel like we both, you know, for our own reasons are kind of, um, having challenges connecting and this is mine. Like, you know, I've been feeling embarrassed or I had a baby and like, now I feel self-conscious of my body or like, Oh, I'm obsessed with work and I like can't stop being distracted and I don't know what to do. I'm addicted to my phone or, you know, it's just, you want to go first and say, Hey, I'm, I'm struggling. I want this. It's very disarming. Now there are still situations where the partner would be like, Nope, you know, not open to growth. And that's unfortunate. And it happens. And we work with a lot of people that are, you know, just them and we give them tools to bring into the relationship. And often the other person kind of ends up coming in or, you know, later or something like that. Um, so it can be tricky, you know, but it, it really, I mean, the most important quality I think in a partner or a potential partner or in yourself is the willingness to grow and develop. I mean, who you met, when you met them, like they're not the same person and you're not the same person. And that's like a good thing. So if you can just roll with it and grow, you know, that's a good recipe. I think, um, not saying it's easy. Um, the other thing you said was, um, God, it was about the pattern, but what did you want me to talk about exactly? Yeah. Just how you work with couples where the, the, the man wants the sex, the woman yeah. wants you to close. Oh. They have this gap. They're trying to get 
right. bridge it. We're trying to bridge it. Yeah. So you have to start with, I mean, if we're going to go kind of gener- or, um most common or stereotypical, let's say the woman is the one that's kind of like, I don't want to feel pressured to have sex. Like she's kind of in a more avoidant, right. And then the man's kind of like, I want to connect. And like, ah, and his intentions are so good. That's the thing. It like breaks my heart. So I'm like, he's great. You know, he's just trying to connect, you know, you don't have to like beat him up about it, but you know, there's different edges for the, for the man and the woman. So, you know, the man in that situation or whoever has the higher libido, right. Whoever is the one, and it can be women a lot of the time you have to go to where the other person is. I mean, there's just no other way around it. Like you're not going to push the person with the lower libido or with more resistance to like do something they don't want to do. I would never recommend that anybody do something they don't want to do, you know, sexually or otherwise. So you want to be willing, like, okay, he or she wants more emotional connection. Like, let me let me learn how to do that. You know, let me learn like these touch practices or let's like find a, an environment, you know, whether it's sessions with us or whatever, where we can talk about this stuff. Let me learn more about what they need. Um, you kind of have to go to where they're at they're, to connect. And then the person who has more resistance, there is an opening up, you know, you, you do, it's not that you should do anything you don't want to do, but it's like, let me be open and, you know, for people that have had a very difficult experience sexually in the past, and maybe that's coming up, you know, there might be healing that needs to happen, but you just want to have a stance of like, how can I be open to my partner's, you know, want for connection? Um, If you want to have that kind of relationship together, it does require leaning into those edges. And some couples just decide not to do that. And that's not wrong either. Like, Hey, I'm, I'm comfortable like this, you know, let's just, you know, not have much sex and let's be partners or let's raise our kids and nothing wrong with that, you know, but you would just want to kind of be on the same page about that, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. There's nothing wrong with it. And if it's not what you want, then sometimes the relationship needs to end. And I've worked with multiple men who've tried for years to to help their partner open. And she just doesn't want to do it. You know, to your point, she just isn't interested. She's like, I'm comfortable. I don't want to go to that place. You know, to your point, I think many people are survivors of trauma, you know, even just sexual abuse. It's one in three women, one in six men. Yeah. That's millions and millions and millions of people. And if, if someone doesn't want to address their trauma, there's only so far they're going to get in opening. Right. There's tension and and stuckness in the body mind that is like not going to be addressed without being addressed. And it's totally possible to do that, but there needs to be willingness. So to your point, sometimes if you're really with an unwilling partner, you have to decide, is this what you want your life to be? Mm -hmm. And and is this what you want to model to your children? Oh, yeah. So for you listening that are in relationship and and have children, I would recommend our episode, Should You Stay Together for the Kids? We're mm. not going to do the whole thing here, but it is important for you to know that your children are witnessing what a love relationship is from you and your partner. That is what they are learning about 
from you, you two. <laughs> so mm-hmm. you exactly. are, if you are missing and longing for a connection with your partner and there's an absence of that, that's what your kids are learning. So you mm-hmm. really want to be addressing that if that's like, no, I want a close relationship. I want, and I think I'd love to hear your perspective on this because I've definitely had clients who have been shamed for all you want is sex. Sex is the only thing that matters to you. You're obsessed with this. Um, you know, we co-parent really well together. We have this great life together. This shouldn't be such a big deal. And mm-hmm. so can you address a little bit of that, that specific way of sort of talking to someone about like, you shouldn't want this as much as you do. Cause I find that shuts, shuts men down a lot of feeling, mm-hmm. Oh my God, maybe you're right. Like, am I just, is, am I, am I wrong for wanting this? Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's that can happen. And it's, it's a, I don't know what you would call it a red herring or a cover up or whatever it is. It just is. I mean, I, my perspective is that sex and sexuality and that kind of connection, it's what got you together in the first place, barring um, arranged marriages, which sometimes is the case, but not, you know, that often here, that's what got you together. (laughs) And I, it's like, on the one hand, I'm a big fan of taking the pressure off in terms of, okay, you don't have to have this like crazy buck wild intercourse sex life every night or whatever. Like you want to value the connection. And if that's touching practice, you know, over nothing, like that's great, you know, more than great, but you want to be very, I would encourage men to stand for the, stand up for themselves, you know, to just know that's a very healthy desire. And somewhere she, she wants that, whether she ever would say it. And it's not like you would then go to her and be like, I know you want it, but you, you know, you know, I mean, you have to respect where the person is at and what they are saying and what they're doing, but just that it's healthy and it just is. And a lot of times when someone is being very judgmental and shaming about that, it speaks more about that it's not about the person that they're judging. So, you know, just to be strong in that and be like, look, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to grow and learn and like learn about how you want that. And, you know, but I, I think it's healthy and it's something I want for my life. And, you know, I wish, I hope it's with you, you know, I hope we do this and, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I would love to hear a little bit about for you, the couples that you do work with where it's working. Like, what does that arc look like? You know, how does it, it's like, okay, maybe they start off and they're like, Oh God, do we really have to schedule it? That feels so clinical. I don't know. And then they do. And then sort of walk us through the arc of what, what can happen. Well, it's kind of like when you start anything that's good for you, like, you know, you start meditating if that's what you like, or you start some workout or some way of, you know, taking care of your body, there's resistance. I mean, there's a whole, I mean, psychologically, we have a very complex relationship to sexuality and our bodies. And, you know, often when a couple is together for a long time, or they've just had kids, like our conditioning just creeps in. It's like through our skin, you know, we can start to feel, I talk to a lot of women who, you know, just became moms and they're like, suddenly I feel like I shouldn't be sexual or I'm betraying my child or I'm like, I'm my mom now, you know, it's just like things like seep in or they start to. So 
it's not easy to deal with that stuff. It's not just a time issue. I mean, there is the time and lifestyle issue. I mean, I experienced this after I had our son. I mean, I was very aware of it because I am aware of that kind of thing, but I'm like, oh, wow. I, I feel like, okay, how can I be a mom and a sexual lover? Like who is my body for? Is it feeding him? Is it being sexual? And I felt this weird conflict all of a sudden. I'm like, whoa, this is what we deal with often. Or even if you don't have kids, like, oh, I'm older now. I have a house. So I'm a mom or I'm a, I'm my parent and moms don't have sex. And, you know, so there's just a lot to deal with psychically often. So just want to say that so that people don't feel like why, you know, oh, it should be easier for me. Um, But that can all be dealt with. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I also want to say this is something that I noticed when I lived in Europe was, wow, older women in Europe wear dresses and high heels and go out. And and it was a striking difference. And I had never been able to see that about my own culture. But now coming back, it does feel like in in North American culture, there's like, you, you age out of sexiness and it's not true. I'm not saying that's true, but there is this underlying perception of like, well, now I wear kids and you know what I mean? Like, and, but in Europe, they didn't have that. So just, and it was noticeable. And I thought to myself, oh, I want to be like that. I want to live. Yes. (laughs) Not that I want to live in Europe, but I want that kind of reality for, for, for women in general to be able to say, yeah, I'm 65 and I'm hot. Yes. (laughs) I'm not, I'm trying to convince myself that I'm hot. I am actually hot. I feel sexy. Oh, because we are, you know, I mean, we are, and I know plenty of women in their sixties, seventies and eighties that embrace their sexiness. And there's, it's all comes down to awareness. There's a drift. You know, there's a drift to I'm older, that equals I'm not sexy. Like, it's not even like we're thinking our own thoughts We're we're it's like seeps in, you know, to our DNA or I'm a mom now or we're parents now. And it's all about awareness and being aware of the drift and then being aware of what we want and then enacting that, you know, it's kind of like earlier, is this the kind of relationship, this is how I want my relationship to be? Cause it's not going to magically change. You have to be deliberate about shifting it. And sometimes it's like moving a big boulder up a mountain, but you know, it's worth it, I think. And it's also helpful to have some guides along the way, right? So yeah, I'm wondering if you can just share a little bit about how people work with you and Erwan, because I do think that it is in my experience working with clients, it's essentially culture change. You're changing the culture of your relationship and culture change is always hard, whether that's in an organization or a relationship or a family system or whatever it is, it's worth it. It's worth it. It also takes some time and it's challenging. It's hard, but it, it is possible. And I see it. I witness it in my clients. I'm sure you do as well. So, and what I have seen is it is easier with a guide. It is easier with mentors. It is easier with support, with a group, with just someone that's helping you. Otherwise it's easy to feel alone. It's easy to want to give up. It's easy to feel like I got shamed a few times. I feel rejected all the time. I'm tired. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like, the fuck am I supposed to do this? with no guidance. So I just 
want to say, if you are someone wanting some kind of change in your relationship or just your life, like you said, if you're single, much of this applies. If your love life isn't working, there are people that can help with that. And it can be a lot faster. (laughs) Yeah. A lot less time, a lot less frustration. There's a reason that mentors exist in every field. And in my opinion, it's pretty smart idea to utilize that because you don't want to keep struggling forever. It doesn't, it's not fun. So can you say a little about sort of how people work with you and where they find you and all of that? For sure. Yes. Yeah. We've found in change, like to make a change, there's three main steps. You know, the first step is, is knowing what you want, right? Like having a vision or a goal, or, you know, I want my relationship to be X, Y, Z way. The second part is really committing to it, you know, with your heart, like, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this. This is worth it. And then the third part involves the things you're talking about, you know, structure where the rubber meets the road, mentorship, what does your calendar and your schedule look like, you know, and do you have a community around you that is up to the same thing, you know, and that's really what Erwan and I provide is a very efficient and effective way, like a program that people can come and engage in to make your love life better and your sex life better, like where you get to address it and have it make change relatively quickly. So we have a few different ways we work with people. The main way that people work with us is in a group program. It's online. It's called Mastery of Relationship. And we meet regularly. It's pretty much weekly. It's an awesome group of both singles and couples, and they're dedicated to making their love lives even better. So that is really fun and it's easy and convenient. That's where a lot of people start their journey. We also have private coaching. Um, we also have a like a high-level sensuality training program that's private and kind of a people usually do other things first because it's sort of a big chunk. And we also have like a weekend online class that people can start with also, which is a smaller bite. So we like to combine group work and private work when possible, because we've found that that's the quickest and most effective way to work with people. So we were in San Francisco. All of our programs are online. We have some in-person opportunities, but anybody in the world can work with us and what I think would be great for people that are listening and are like, yeah, you know, I want to do a little bit of work with these guys or check them out or see what I could get out of this. We actually have an online weekend class called the pleasure course, and it's coming up September 24th and 25th. We go very deeply into the five parts of our method, the five keys to creating a successful relationship life. It's for both singles and couples. You can obviously do it from anywhere. And I mean, for your listeners, I would love to gift the first five people that contact me, gift them the course. Like I'd love to give you access to it. I mean, we range from psychological inquiry, chemistry and masculine feminine dynamics, sex, orgasm, all the stuff. So For the first five people that contact me, you'll get it for free. And then anybody after that, I have a discount code for it. I just want to make it really easy for your people to come. So I'll give you the link to the course so people can read about it. And then the way that people can contact me is to either text our school 
um, the number is 415-308-9580. And then I also have a link that leads to a form and people can fill it out. You can also use the text and the form just to like chat with me to be like, hey, ask me questions. I can get a sense of your situation and make a recommendation as to what would help you best. That sounds great. And so there's either text that number or is there an email address they can use? Yes, you can use. It's a little bit funny to spell, but it's alicia at erwandavon.com. So I'll give you... I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. And you can find us at davonmethod.com. It's great. The course is coming up so people can jump in and just start learning. Yeah, that sounds good. So um, as we're wrapping up here, I'm just wondering if you have any advice for people, like you said, you touched on this briefly, but for someone who's listening, who's like, this sounds great. I would like to enroll my partner. I'm really scared of that conversation. I don't want them to think there's something wrong or, you know, what can you just briefly say again, how you would say it of like, Hey babe. (laughs) Yes, totally. So positivity and acknowledgement is very disarming. It's also true, by the way, you're not manipulating somebody because like, yeah, you might be pissed at your partner for something, you know, not giving you enough attention, but underneath that you care and you love them, you know? So I would just start by something like, Hey, um, you know, Oh my God, you know, I was listening to this podcast or I was reading this thing or whatever. And I just, I love you and I kind of miss you. And I feel like I want our love life to be even better. And I found out about this cool thing and do you want to hear about it? you know, something that disarms them, has them feel loved and then gives them like a, a question. So then if they say, yes, tell me about it, you've gotten their permission to share. And then you can share whatever it is you're sharing and Hey, I'd love for us to do this. I just think it would be so amazing. Right. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. Coming and thank you for the work that you do. I really, um, I would really like to see this kind of connection work taught sooner, right? In school, you know, high school, college, just how to connect, how to talk about this. I I just see so many people suffering for such a long time that feels like if they just knew about some of these things sooner, their lives would be better and their kids' lives would be better. So just holding the vision for work Mm. like to be taught sooner to young people. Yes, absolutely. I'm with you on that one.